Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Enova. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enova. I am Clive Enova, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Amanda Kate about bringing authenticity and alignment to business. Working as a kinesiologist, Amanda facilitates the recognition of self-sabotaging behaviours, limiting beliefs and negative behaviour patterns within clients. And she identifies new ways of being which can then emerge creating long-term expansion, growth and change in every facet of their life. Hello, Amanda, and welcome. Thank you very much for having me today, Clive. That's an absolute pleasure. And Mm -hmm. after I've got through that tongue twister of uh, an introduction that I put (laughs) together, you are doing one heck of a lot in there, Amanda. What's all about a kinesiologist, for starters? Okay, so a kinesiologist, it's really fascinating. Very few people know. Um, It's been around since about the 1970s as a modality. Um, And what it does is it looks at the body um, as an energetic being. So quantum physicists have proven that the universe is 4% physical matter. So when I work with a person, I look at this external meat suit, I guess is 4% of the picture. And the rest of it is their energetic self, their emotional self, their mental self spiritual self, all of that sort of thing. So what I do is I work with their physical and structural self, their chemical and nutritional self and their mental, emotional, physical self to make sure that they're all in balance. And um, I do that just using various vibrational techniques, a lot of conversation, a lot of active listening um, and a lot of, I guess, looking at the metaphysical side of things. So metaphysical is beyond the physical. So seeing what's going on underneath the surface. Now, I'm not sure whether I counted um, 12 or 15 different bodies in there. Do you really have all of those? (laughs) Oh, I haven't even started yet. Of course we do. We have so many different aspects and facets to ourselves. Um, You know, we've got a hormonal self, a relational self, a financial self. So when we're looking at all of those different parts, so often people go, oh, my neck hurts. Well, okay, let's actually drill down into that and let's look at all of the other parts of you that you're shouldering the burden for or sticking your neck out for that's actually causing this sore neck because the physical is actually 4% of the picture. There's 96% caused by other things. In uh, the introduction or the title of our talk, we talked about alignment to business. First, it sounds like we've got to align all these different bodies. (laughs) It does sound a lot more complicated than it is. But, yeah, um, something that's really come in for me over probably the last six months is how I bring this energetic work that I'm doing into people's business to help them show up as their full self, as their really... um, aligned and authentic self without all of the stories that they've been telling themselves and the labels they've acquired over the time so that they can really go out there as them and make an impact as them in only the way that they can. Now, I'm gathering that you didn't just pop out of school and become a kinesiologist (laughs) and you haven't been doing it since the 70s. No. What was the journey that you took to find yourself where you are? It was the beginning of, um, actually, it was almost exactly uh, 
five years ago now, I um, I actually realised I was in a less than ideal marriage. Um, I was uh, married to a narcissist and that was a rather big challenge for me. Um, I was becoming less and less and less of myself. So I, you know, I kind of took all the responsibility. I, I figured I was broken um, and so I needed to be fixed. And so I started on a bit of a self-development journey to fix myself. Um, and through that journey found kinesiology and that first session of kinesiology just changed my life. And within six months of my first session, I was studying it. Um, and in four years, I did about six years worth of study. So I did my diploma, my advanced diploma, my international diploma. I did three units of what's called total body modification, which is another type of kinesiology. I did my Reiki. I, I literally kind of just went, I have to do this with my life. Um, and now I want to, I guess, bring it out um, from the shadows and from that woo-woo kind of healing side of things and into the business world. And that sounds like it was one heck of a journey, six years study in four years. That of itself yeah. is not uh, a small task. <laughs> I talked about uh, limiting beliefs and self-sabotaging behaviours and negative behaviour patterns and mm -hmm. so on. I'm taking a guess that when you, you're talking to customer me, Yes. And you say, I can see all these self-sabotaging behaviours. I probably uh, put the wall up and say, get over yourself, Amanda. I'm not uh, self-sabotaging. <laughs> <laughs> does that happen? <laughs> it, it does at times, yes. And, and it's really interesting because with kinesiology, we use um, muscle testing. So I can actually show people that a certain statement causes stress to their body, which is part of the reason that I like kinesiology. It's kind of got that um, proof element uh, that, that clients really, really like. So, okay, if you say that and you think it's not causing a stress, well, then why can't your arms hold? Because when you say, you know, your name, for example, it'll hold strong. So there's clearly something out of alignment here. Now, oftentimes also some of these belief patterns that we've got running are actually subconscious. And it's been proven um, through loads of different scientific studies that our subconscious is running a pro show more than 95% of the time. So when you think about that, we're actually, um, part of my job as a kinesiologist is, is kind of to cut through that conscious idea of where we're at and get into that subconscious. And we, we do quite go quite deep. And some of the stuff that does come up is quite confronting for people. I do have a lot of tears on my table. I'm not going to lie. Um, a few of my clients say, you know, you don't have to make me cry every time I'm here. But, you know, it's a good release. Um, but the way I look at it is that we want to change that subconscious patterning. Our nervous system runs the show and what it does is it's perceiving stress all around us and it's perceiving, well, this is like this, you know, um, thing that happened when I was two and I behaved this way. So how about we behave that way again because it worked then? Well, that might be good if you're a two-year-old, but if you're a, you know, 35-year-old, perhaps that's outdated a little bit. So what we're, the way I, I guess I describe it to people is it's like we're reprogramming your nervous system as we reprogram a computer. So that instead of reacting and reacting and reacting, we've got a little bit of a gap where we can breathe and choose a response so that we're coming into a more measured and a more conscious approach rather than being in that subconscious patterning all the time. Because our patterns are, are often caused in times of really, really great stress. And when we're in really great stress, 
we're in back brain survival, fight and flight response. We're going back to that reptilian pre-seven-year-old and a lot of it is actually programmed pre-two brain patterning. We're not accessing the front brain, our, our, our creative thinking brain, our innovative brain. So we're not able to see all of the different aspects that, that, that can be there. So when I'm working with clients, they may not be able to consciously go, hang on, I'm, I'm working with that as a belief patterning. But when we drill down to it and say, well, here's all these roadblocks in your life and this is the belief system that, that's sitting there, they all of a sudden go, oh, my goodness, I, didn't, I couldn't have put that together ever. And even things as simple, actually, here's one that tests up all the time, especially in business owners, um, and, and particularly female business owners, is that men are the breadwinners and women should be at home. Now, that's not a conscious belief for any working woman. I can tell you that for a fact. And, and being a career woman, a business owner, it's certainly not in my conscious realm. It's actually now not in my subconscious because I've cleared it. But it's a, it's a collective <laughs> conscious thing as well. When you're looking at, you know, being born in the 70s as I was, my mum was a stay-at-home mother. What I was seeing a lot around me was stay-at-home mums. There were very few career mums out there. And whilst there were obviously still some, the, the greater percentage of population was still in that men are the breadwinners and women stay at home. And that's just to use one example that, you know, people consciously go, well, that's just a stupid belief system. And yet actually it drives a lot of behaviour. It drives things like the salary caps that we put on ourselves. People actually have in their head this, this block of, well, this is how much I'm, I work, I'm worth and this is how much I can earn. And so there's a lot of those sorts of things that I, I'm, I'm realising and I'm working through and therefore now helping my clients work through so that they can get that success that, that they want and need and deserve. Obviously, with the work that you do, you're able to remove these limiting beliefs from an individual yes. readily. How long, how many generations do you think it takes for such a belief to vanish from the collective consciousness? I think that kind of thing um, is... It's, a, it's gradual and I, I think it's like asking how long is a piece of string. I know that for me I am, um, it's tested up a number of times, I'm breaking eight generations worth of, of this patterning that I particularly is for my family. A lot of my clients were working on 7, 14, 5, 10, you know, multiple generations that have come down that female side. Usually the female side is strongest and the reason for that is Women are born with all the eggs they're ever going to have. So in technicality, us being born by our mother, we were actually in our grandmother's womb. So we have some of our grandmother's conditioning in our cellular DNA and then we have our mother's conditioning because we've been in her body the entire time. We're also part of her energy field until we're seven. That's why kids go through, um, I, I very technically call it the arsehole phase, <laughs> excuse my language, but when they go seven, because what happens is they're separating from their mum's energy field and they actually don't know where they stop and other people begin. So they're trying to find their actual boundary, like where they are. So they push boundaries all over the place to actually work out where they're going. So when you look at that, we've had a lot of conditioning from other people as part of our cellular conditioning from before well before we were born so that female line is very strong that's not to say the masculine line isn't it still obviously influences and if you for example have a story coming down both sides 
we kind of need to clear it on both sides. And, and oftentimes that's why the people who come to me are coming to me is because they want to work on making sure that the patterns of the past aren't reflected in the future. And because, again, of the conditioning that we have, we can change it then for our children. Because we're picking these things up, as you were saying, many of them before we're two. Yes. And <laughs> the rest by the time we're five, typically. Yes. We're probably not going to remember that we actually ad adopted them, are we? No. And this is the thing. I, <laughs> I'll give you one of the, um, I guess, the analogies I use for clients is... I'm on this journey where I know that I could build a massive house and a massive castle and I know that, you know, there's shops out there where I can get the, um, you know, the materials to do so. I at the moment don't know how to use all of those tools. However, I'm going to try and find them and I'm going to learn as many of them as I can because I want to build a, a damn fancy castle. Other people are stuck in that kind of pre-2 conditioning and I liken it to when my son was little and his little dungarees and he had his little Fisher-Price toolkit and he was trying to help me fix things in the house with a big plastic, you know, hammer and a, and a wooden screwdriver and all of that. Now, some people are still walking around with those Fisher-Price toolkits and it might be that they don't know that shops exist where you can get power tools. It might be that they, they walk past, you know, and that they're aware of bits of the hardware shop but not others. It could be that they just go, oh, no, that's not for me. There's lots of different reasons and none of them are that person's fault. It is just what they've signed up for in this lifetime. I personally want the big fancy castle, not the, not the Fisher-Price toolkit, but it really helps me when I'm dealing with people who keep using, I guess, their little plastic tools to be able to extend love and compassion for them because for whatever reason they don't know there's any different out there. Yeah, it's funny how we adopt these things and uh, pull the curtain. We, we don't want to see anything else. We only want to yeah. see what we already know and we keep running that same video over and over and over again. So in breaking these patterns, well, you're not breaking these patterns, you're changing these patterns. Yeah. How quickly can a person change from being locked away in a world that isn't helping to hopping into a world that where everything's well we're wearing rose-colored glasses rather than muddy glasses as I heard <laughs> someone say recently <laughs> do you know I think it's a it's it's choosing in every single moment there are moments that I still fall back into my old patterning because I'm tired or because I'm stressed or because it's that time of the month or whatever it is but now I'm more consciously aware so I pull myself out of it faster and I can give you the example on, on the Sunday night um, two weeks ago, I think it was, when we were told um, that we were probably going to go into lockdown for, for COVID-19. And I sent out an email to all of my clients basically saying I couldn't do it in person, it had to be online. And I, I went into the biggest funk because I was like, oh, that's it, I'm watching my business crumble and all of that. I actually allowed myself to stay in that for a while and, and experience the feelings and all of that sort of stuff. But it was interesting this time because in the past that would have taken over and it would have lasted weeks. It would have, I it would have taken a couple of appointments with my kinesiologist, with a Reiki healer, with different healers that I know to snap myself out of it. Because I was, I, I was more conscious that I was doing it, I was able to sit in it feel it, allow those emotions to flow through. And by late on the Monday, I was kind of like, you know what, things are going to be okay. 
And since then, I've just been on a big upward trajectory again. So I think it's it's choosing in each and every moment. And it's not always the easiest choice. Sometimes the easiest choice is I want to have a tantrum and I want to throw my toys out the pram and I want to be the child. But for, we can't always make that choice. And so sometimes we have to choose to put on our big grown-up pants and get back out there. And so that sounds very much to me like uh, being present, staying in the moment, but being present to the extent that we can look at things clearly and make an appropriate decision and move on. Have I got that wrong? Yes, 100%. And being present is is more challenging um, than we realise. There's obviously a lot of words that go through our head, a lot of self-talk, a lot of noise, um, both internal and external. Yet if you recognise that you're being carried away by the noise, coming back and just remembering to breathe in that moment, the most beautiful thing I love to remind my clients is they've actually proven that emotions can only stay in your body for 90 seconds before they change into something else. Now, it might change into a shade of the same emotion. So when I talk about a shade, obviously rage and anger and wrath and frustration and irritation are kind of all shades of a very similar emotion. The same way that grief and sadness and, you know, a little bit of melancholy are are also on that same spectrum. So it's about acknowledging where you're at at that time. And if you can feel through that emotion, if you can breathe through that emotion... Yeah, I, I, again, I, I use strange analogies, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's the way my, my team talk to me. Um, I, I liken it to toddlers who have a tantrum. They're like, mum, 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 mum. And then you look and they're going, okay, and off they go and they're happy again. It's the same with the big emotions that come up in our body. If we feel grief and we can sit and acknowledge that it's grief and acknowledge that we're feeling that grief, it's amazing how quickly it passes through our body. But oftentimes what we do is we see that we're feeling grief, we feel the grief and we go, oh, my God, that's scary. Oh, no, 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 and we resist and resist and resist and then it gets stuck. And that's the difference is in one, we're acknowledging it, we're validating it, we're saying, yes, I understand why you're there, and then it can move through without resistance, whereas if we're frightened of it, if we're refusing to acknowledge it's that it's there if we're suppressing it or hiding it or just generally pretending it doesn't exist, then we're creating resistance which creates blockages. Which sounds very much like as we're trying to suppress it, we're actually holding onto it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a lot of what my job is actually allowing a lot of this suppressed stuff to come out so that we can look at it. And instead of, you know, um, cutting it off, hiding it, being ashamed of it, wanting to sweep it under the rug and, you know, hide it from everybody. Part of that healing journey is going back and lovingly picking up everything that we've discarded and learning to love it as part of ourselves, and, and learning it to love it as the lesson it is. And rather than letting go of it, I see it more as we become in control of it rather than it controlling us because we can acknowledge it was there. We can acknowledge the lesson it gave us and the wisdom it can give us if we choose to learn from it. And therefore it becomes a huge asset rather than a liability. As you take a person through a journey like that, Amanda, Mm -hmm. do you notice any physical changes in these people? Huge, huge. I'll go back to um, an example of uh, 
there was a CEO that I was I was balancing a while back. And they wore the cloak of responsibility like it was a massive weighted cloak and just heavy. And their eyes were drawn, their skin was drawn, their shoulders were slumped. And as we got rid of that cloak of of heaviness and responsibility, and the thing I like to do is flip responsibility around. So instead of them feeling the heaviness of responsibility, they become able to respond. And in that ability to respond comes a lightness and an ease. And so the shoulders go back, the face brightens. There's a number of times I will actually guide people from the table as they hop up from the session and just go, even before you pay, just go and have a look at your face in the mirror because they look like different people. Um, There was another client I had who had had a a horrific childhood, heavy abuse, pretty much almost anything that was horrific that you could imagine happening had happened to this girl. She was completely lost. I did a session with her and I think I'd only probably made one or two comments and she just sobbed and let it all out. We kind of, you know, I guess what I call closed the container so made sure that there were no, I guess, um, energetically she was um, congruent and whole she hopped up and she looked in the mirror and she said, even I don't recognise myself right now because her face had just lost years of this pain and and tiredness and drawn heavy victimhood and she was able to then step forward and change her life. So physically you see huge shifts and changes in people and that physical change obviously resonates on a lot of those other areas as well, which is amazing. The physical part just being the um, part that we see, whereas everything else is carrying all of that good stuff that allows us to, well, look however it is that we look. Yes. So with with that in mind, we've had somebody go through, well, the CEO person, for example. Mm -hmm. As frightening as it might be for people to think that, oh, well, you know, if I go and see Amanda, she's going to change me and I might not like what comes out the other side, (laughs) which obviously isn't true because the good bit comes out the other side. How do those people uh, interact? Is there a difference in how those people interact with people that they meet after they've found the, the joyful side rather than the weighed down side? Definitely. I think any changes that we make make a huge difference. Um, the beauty of it is, I think, as I said earlier, we recognise if we fall back into those bad habits sooner because what we've done is we've brought subconscious programming into our conscious brain. So we can see some of the patterns that we're repeating as they're coming towards us and we either choose to get entangled in the same way, which is a lesson in itself, or we choose to do it differently. And oftentimes, because we've got that conscious awareness, we will choose a different way. Now, sometimes the way we choose that's different may not be better or worse, and and there's no judgment in it. It's just different. And the thing I love about it is we get to practice how we want to be. We get to choose different words and choose different reactions and choose different emotions. So we're practicing, and, and I know it's that buzzword, but we are empowering ourselves by being in choice rather than reacting from a place of fear and limitation. And that in itself expands 
our awareness. It expands our lack of judgment. It expands our acceptance. So all of those beautiful qualities that oftentimes we feel like we have no choice over become more expansive rather than contracted. And we're able to then look at things from different viewpoints. So I often use the, um, you know, those uh, filament lamps where there's like a ball in the middle and there's loads of little filaments. Every time we circle back over an issue, it's like we're adding different filaments to the lamp and eventually we end up with this 360-degree view and we're then able to, from that perspective, choose a better way that we can approach it. And, of course, I referred there to you changing people and that's probably not right because (laughs) you're really a facilitator, aren't you, to allow me the client to find my own way is that how it works absolutely i call myself a facilitator or a translator because we are so used to not listening to what our body wants and what it's trying to tell us so i facilitate the translation of what your body is trying to say to you whether it be through physical pain emotional pain or behavioral patterns what i look at is i I listen to what the person is saying and what they're not saying. And then we we kind of work on the table in fleshing that out and, and clearing those layers that are going to make the biggest difference. So it is like unlayering an onion. Um, I've often asked why we can't just chop through the whole thing because it feels like such a process. But the process is really important of unlayering you know, unlayering what's going on and and every lot of layers that we take off, it's like doing that archaeological dig. You want to gently remove the layers so that the person can do it gently and easily and not go into healing responses and shock and having the teary responses or the angry responses that often come if we clear too much too quickly. So it is a gentle process of, of peeling back the layers so that people can really gain that holistic awareness of, of where they're at. And the way it translates into business is then we are bringing our full, authentic and aligned selves into our work, which actually means that we are, it's not even, I think there's, um, I was having a conversation with someone a few weeks back and people talk a lot lot about know, like and trust, which is super important, but people won't even get to know, like, trust if they don't feel listened to, heard and understood. And the beauty of doing this work is we learn to listen, we learn to hear and we learn to understand. And we, and we learn to do that for ourselves first and then we get to do it for others. And that's a vital part of the process is learning to give ourselves the generosity that we often extend to other people before we extend it to other people. Excellent advice. And I could keep talking to you for <laughs> hours and hours and hours, Amanda, about this. However. We're on a bit of a time limit here. That's okay. So before I let you go, though, Mm -hmm. what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation? I love listening to other business owners because I think they're just such a wealth of knowledge. But the best one was just that be yourself. And it's easier when you know who and what yourself is. But the process of finding it is also equally wonderful. So I, I think that that would be it, is be yourself and, and find out who you are, not just as a business person, but as a person, 
and then take that into your business because that's what people are going to then resonate with and therefore you're going to move from feeling heard and understood into being known, liked and trusted. I like that a lot. <laughs> and um, now I've got a question that's going to be doubly hard given the answer you provided there. <laughs> What's the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? I think it's about not being afraid to get to know who you are. When you think about who we are, if we go to that 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 single point within us, whether you call it source, God source, star seed, whatever, that little bit of angel dust that resonates, that is in you and me and everybody, we are pure love, peace, joy, happiness. And if we can find those qualities that accept other people as they are and that fall into non-judgment with them as much as possible. And if we can bring that to business, that's what's going to attract people to us. And that's what's going to be attractive to others. Excellent advice. And I couldn't agree with you more. (laughs) But most importantly, Amanda, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Um, Absolutely. I am at uh, amandakate.com.au and I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Insta, all of those. And if you search under Amanda Kate Kinesiology, you will find me on all of those. So come find me because I'd love to chat. And that's amandakate.com.au and, yes, it is spelt Amanda Kate. (laughs) It is very simple. Amanda Kate, this has been a delightful conversation. Thank you very much for being here. And I hope we get to chat again soon. Oh, we sure will, Clive. Thank you so much for your time and for having me. It's been wonderful. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app. And you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au. Thank you.